If you work for a living, why do you kill yourself working? From the Willamette Valley, in America's great Pacific Northwest, greetings! You are listening to The Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. Coming to you from the interweb, no matter where you may be listening, in this beautiful, but sometimes crazy world, we all share. Hello folks, hope everything is going well. We've got a fantastic show for you today. But before I get into that, I want to talk about the previous episode very briefly, which was number 282, and it was the uh, called The Terror of My Life. Now, this is very special. Um, you see, when it comes right down to it, I'm a really private person. And to say that I was, um, you know, on pins and needles apprehensive about sharing this episode with you is an understatement. I'm like a clam. I, I open up real slow as far as personal is concerned. And uh, I'll talk about anything you want in the world. Y you know that. Um, but personal, yeah, that's a different matter. And um, anyhow, <clears throat> I, was, I was just really overwhelmed by the response that I got. And apparently uh, this struck a chord or maybe it's something you experienced. I don't know. But I just wanted to thank you and if you haven't listened to it, it's uh, number 282. And uh, you know, I'm also on YouTube at T E M S podcast. And um, yeah, you click on my smiling, wonderful, handsome face, and it takes you to everything there. But anyway, thank you. Um, maybe in the future, I can go uh, personal again. Now, moving right along into this episode, and I think it's really good, it was actually requested from a listener named Dwayne, and he's in San Clemente, California, and this is something that he wanted to uh, hear about, and so with that, I, I said, hey, fine. Because, um, you know, that's the way we work here is I want to hear what you want to hear and you let me know what you want to hear. And so I put it out there. You see, something that I believe, at least that experience has taught me, is how difficult it can be to explain even a simple thing to a drunk. Do you know what I mean? You ever tried to do that? Good luck with that. Now, sometimes... Drunks can be funny, and you can get a good laugh out of them. But you also know they can quickly change to the point where you have a very belligerent and uncooperative drunk on your hands. And that's something not very funny or pleasant at all. I'm telling you this because I'm trying to get a little bit of sympathy and understanding for the cop that pulls over the drunk driver because they are swerving all over the road 
And the cop, you know, he politely pulls him over and he wants him to, you know, get out of the car and do a field sobriety test. And the belligerent drunk refuses to cooperate, even though they've been asked five or more times to do so. Now, I am not a law enforcement professional, and I don't claim to be in any way, shape, or form. But I do know what I see. And what I've seen by watching many of these YouTube videos where the cops have to deal with these drunks is that these stops can take, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes, sometimes more. This is absolutely uncalled for and ridiculous. I believe that after a cop has witnessed a car, say, for example, swerving, and they go over to the car, and it's obvious that the person's been drinking, and they can smell alcohol. They simply request that the person get out of the car to do a field sobriety test and get this shit moving. In other words, this should be wrapped up in like 15 minutes tops, because all that additional time is costing taxpayer money not to, not to mention the fact of the availability, you know, for the cop to be out there and find more of these lunatics driving drunk on the road. It's simply taken too long, and they're just being a bit too, you know, soft and understanding. You need to move this shit along. And like I said, I'm not the professional, but I'm just saying it seems to me as though this should be able to be wrapped up in about 15 minutes. Uh, this is one of the many reasons I decided a long time ago I could not be a cop. I would only ask twice, maybe three times max. And then, your ass is coming out of the vehicle and not handled with kid gloves. At least, one of the few benefits that age can give you is hindsight. I remember being a young teenager living in New York City. This is when they used to have paddy wagons. Now the name paddy wagons, most people under 40 won't even recognize what that is or where it comes from. But I know. And without going into a long history lesson on the origins of the term paddy wagons, I just wanted to use it for illustrative purposes. You know, it was basically just a big box truck, similar in size to, you know, like a Brinks armored car. And every Friday and Saturday night, the patties, as they were called, it would make the rounds to all the various bars and throw all the belligerent drunks, men and women, into them. And I do quite literally oftentimes mean thrown. And the more belligerent and out of control you were, the more forcibly your ass was thrown into the patty. Okay? Okay. I suppose they stopped using patties because we entered the era where the police departments were being sued for injuries to the drunks, uh, you know, so the arrest procedures were changed and made more humane. Least they harm some of the irresponsible idiots. Before I go on, I want to make it clear. 
And I am not talking about a person who is mentally ill or having a psychotic breakdown, who needs to be carefully removed from the streets, not only for their own protection, but ours as well. Something else seldom done today. The problem with forcing cops to be more humane, however, is that not only does this cause more time, effort, and aggravation, not to mention public cost for police and police departments, but it negatively reinforces and enables idiotic behavior. Because you can be a drugged, drunken, belligerent, or violent, non-cooperative asshole and not necessarily have to pay any real penalty. You see, physical pain is a real motivator for behavioral change. Monetary penalties, not so much. For your actions. Now, this is just one glaring example of the consequences of living in a nanny state, of living in what has become a very feminized, perpetual victim, adult-child-based society. When I was uh, talking earlier about the patties, making the rounds to the various bars or clubs to scoop up the violent and disorderly, bear in mind that generally speaking, this was not for the same people over and over and over again. There were always new men coming of age or maybe from another town or city that this nonsense was going on with. But the thing is, and I remember this very clearly, it only took one or two of those incidences being thrown in the patty to change the behavior. Of course, you had a, a really small percentage of asocial, sociopathic, or narcissistic types that always seemed to have a problem respecting societal norms. But that was not the case with most people. If you were drunk and disorderly, it only took once, okay, maybe twice tops, to be arrested and thrown in the paddy by beat Officer Rose. And you wouldn't be acting like that again, drunk or not drunk. I knew Officer Rose and the other cops like him. And I saw him in action many times, as well as some of the men he arrested and even the guys I talked to several, you know, days, you know, after the fact admitted that they were being assholes and deserved what they got. Rose was a good cop and a fair cop, but you didn't fuck with him or disrespect him. In very short, with everything I witnessed and the people that I talked with at that time, they might have even laughed about it, a, you know, a day or so later after they were released. That's assuming that no one was seriously hurt. But the physical pain of having a cop beat your ass with a billy club was more than enough to make you seriously think twice before you decided to get drunk and be an asshole again. And that's my argument. There was a tangible physical price to be paid. And even the stupid, aggressive assholes eventually figured that out and stopped behaving, well, I mean, like stupid and aggressive assholes. Now, I know that many of you out there who are brave enough to be intellectually and morally honest 
you might be saying this. You might be saying, well, Ernest, yeah, you know, well, that kind of policing might have been acceptable then, but that could never be done today. Oh, yeah? Well, that should tell you something about just how fucked up things have become today. If rules can be changed that mistakenly end up making things worse, you know, like such as our experiment with prohibition in the 1920s, then, then they can be changed back. And not only can they be, but I fucking certainly believe that it's self-evident that they need to be. The whole point of the experience of being arrested and thrown in the paddy was that it was supposed to be painful. It's called a penalty phase. And what my observations over the years have shown me is that when you have a society with no penalties, you eventually spiral into chaos and animalistic behavior. And it doesn't even matter so much if it's, you know, drugs or alcohol. The same idea applies to other forms of socially harmful psychopathic behavior, such as the uncaring attitudes and actions of wealthy politicians and business criminals as well. This, I believe, is also one of the many reasons for what I call the musical chair economy. We are all circling around the opportunities and necessities of life until the music suddenly stops and X number of people lose their jobs, careers, homes, and possessions. Your ass has nowhere to go. Most people, at least in their 30s or 40s today, remember the economic crash of 2008 and how it was truly devastating and destroyed many people's lives. Now, we go through these cycles all the time, just that some are much more severe in the number of those affected than others. But the reason why we keep going through these cycles is that for the criminals, there is no fucking penalty. Does anyone remember the investment firms and banks back then that were too big to fail? And so their criminal asses got bailed out at taxpayer expense so they could waddle off into the sunset with even more millions and billions of our stolen money. I do. In conclusion, I believe in my heart of hearts that America should bring back paddy wagons to start making the rounds, specifically in Washington, D.C., where there could be a very bountiful haul of crooks and criminals that wear suits and have been living very high on the hog, carefree lives at taxpayer expense for many years. After all, it definitely worked well as a deterrent of dysfunctional and abhorrent behavior for working class druggies and drunks back then. Just think of what it could do for Washington, D.C. today. If you enjoyed this, please do subscribe and hit the notification bell because it really does help my channel grow. 
And if you can offer some support, please do so by going to the Ko-Fi link in the description below. Anything would be sincerely appreciated. And last but certainly not least, if you have anything, no matter how ordinary or unordinary you would like to hear or talk about, don't hesitate to reach out to me and tell me what you want to talk about. That's also in the description below so we can get it on the show. Until next time, this is Ernest. Thank you for listening. Wishing your health, wealth, and good luck.